Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Spooked. The Scary Story Improvised Podcast. I'm Damian Depping. I'm Cody Crane. And I'm Joel Edmiston. Joel, nice to see you back, buddy. Yeah, it's me, the old rapscallion Joel Edmiston. I know. Uh, <laughs> a nemesis to Damien. That's right. I mean, I saw you wander in and I just sighed. Yeah, you were clenching your fist. I feel like I'm a nemesis to this entire show. Like I, yeah. I'm the main I'm the main antagonist. Yeah, I think instead of having your picture on when we do a promo, we should just have like that picture of Arthur's angry fist. And that'll, yes. that'll say like how we feel about you. Or like a Dementor from Harry Potter. Yeah, that too. <laughs> what, like the most evil image. Well, I don't know if you're evil, but you, you know. guys, do you guys hear my uh, my new kitten whining right now? No, no. we don't. Oh, okay, good. Okay, that's just. Did me. you that's just want to talk about the kitten? Is that no, he's like talking? screaming right now. This seems I, like you're uh, trying to bring up that you got a new. kitten. Okay, fine. Mm. Yes, I'm trying to bring up. I have a new little kitten that I got yesterday. And this is why. This is why you're our nemesis. Yes. <laughs> Well, Joel, you might not know this, but we've been doing a new thing on the podcast where people have been submitting their fears okay. and uh, bringing them to us. So we'll uh, get your uh, take real quick before we go into a grand introduction here. Mm -hmm. uh, but um, the fear that we got submitted this week is uh, uh, the fear of uh, being thrown into traffic. Mm. Interesting. Um, you carry this weight on you? Not being thrown into traffic, but certainly I, um, when a fast car goes by me, I, uh, my, it takes my breath away. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. Or like a, or like a train, like a, tra you know, when you're standing on the subway tracks, not on the tracks, sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, all the time. Yeah, <laughs> next yeah. to the tracks. Yeah. Next to the yeah. tracks. Okay. I just want to give the, and train the train line, whips but... by unexpectedly. Mm -hmm. I go, Ooh, Ooh, I get chills. Yeah, you get it. You get a gasp. Of, oh, dear. Oh, my. <laughs> yeah, that, that train is fast. Ooh. Sometimes I mean, they are. Like salts. <laughs> so like someone actually like throwing you in the yeah, traffic, like, the... Uh, like a big push or like a. Uh. Well, either way. Wow. Traffic okay. and you colliding. So I feel with that, that's less a fear of the traffic itself and more the fear of uh, someone being a horrible person and tossing you into danger. That's okay. what I was going to say. So you're afraid of psychopaths, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, aren't we all? Because sometimes you don't even have to be thrown into traffic to be attacked by it. Uh, well, are you just saying that psychopaths can do other things to you? Well, yeah, no, we're <laughs> saying that. And I'm also saying that traffic can be dangerous without someone throwing you into oh. it. But this fear seems to be about someone actually putting you into traffic i think like falling into traffic thrown into traffic because mm. there was a yeah, guy getting actually, thrown into traffic by by like a large crowd there was a story mm. the other day in toronto about someone uh just between two parked cars and then he got uh killed because the one guy moved but like moved the car like it how lovely that's what a lovely happen. story to bring up damien I'm i had sure to i had perfect. to balance out your friendly kitty cat thing <laughs> we're a spooky podcast okay joel <laughs> But Joel, it's not all about your cat and Damien's gory stories of death. It's it's the truth, man. It's this about our guest today. We got actor, director, producer. We got Michael Stein here. Hey. 
Hey, what's going on? Oh, Michael, I'm so excited to have you on here. I'll just talk about traffic. Can I ask you a mm -hmm. question? People yeah. say I was caught in bad traffic. Is there anything as good traffic? Mm. I don't think. Well, so. when there's no traffic, it's good traffic, I guess. But yeah. that's, that's not traffic. Right. It's true. You know, kind of makes you think. If I had to go to work and I missed the entire day of work because I was stuck in traffic, that would be good traffic. That would. Ah, uh, you I see. Don't, I don't know if that would, though, because then you're in your car the whole day. I'm not at work. I right. think to spooked all day. I guess that's true. I've never, it, Cody, I've never had somebody say that excuse. But that, yes, now you could say that was good traffic. What, yeah. if, what if there was traffic because, uh, like, a little ways down the road, they're pulling everyone over and giving them uh, $200 and an ice cream? That'd be good traffic. But if you get the dollars and the ice cream. Yeah, yeah. Got to get the payoff. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, actually, uh, Michael, tie into you. Good traffic. Uh, La La Land has a traffic scene where everyone gets out of their car and dances and sings around. You know, you know what? Be, be, speaking of traffic, IMDb mm -hmm. has a lot of traffic, and yeah. I wasn't in that movie. What? <laughs> I was in the rest. But it's, it was. There's Love Streams <laughs> and La La Land are not my credits. Love Streams is some movie from the '70s. And La La Land, but I was in the rest of them. Love Hollywood style, Boogie Nights, Dirt Dickler Story, Rituals mm. and Resolutions, going da 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 da. But I was uh, not in La La Land. Yeah, that's what you get for trying, pal. Well, I mean, that's a nice but segue, <laughs> it, it was nice traffic in that movie. Yeah, <laughs> it was that opening scene. Yeah, I wish I was in that movie. It was a great movie. I really loved it. I thought it was great. <laughs> so, Michael, um, is it true that you were the original Dirk Diggler? Yeah, yeah, I uh, that was my first acting role playing Dirt Diggler in the short film version of Boogie Nights, The Dirt Diggler Story. And then I appear in Dirt uh, Boogie Nights as well as the stereo shop customer that Don Cheadle so aggressively tries to sell me. Right. It's amazing because, like, obviously, uh, Boogie Nights became such a big thing. Um, and uh, you, you being in the original and of course, like Paul Thomas Anderson now being so like acclaimed and everything like that. How was the feeling? Because like you were all so young then, right? Like what was the feeling right. of making this short film and how was the difference between going, being the short film to being in Boogie Nights? Well, first of all, you know, you're friends with somebody, you never know if mm. something's going to be big. You're just like, well, it's just, you, you know, growing up, growing up in LA, everybody has aspirations or a lot of people have aspirations to be in the film industry. A lot of your friends are trying. A lot of my friends are, you know, trying to be actors and filmmakers and you never know who's going to pop. So you see so many failures are like, I don't know, you know, but uh, mm -hmm. I knew that I wanted, you know, when he asked, he's called me up. I didn't, we didn't know each other for long at this point. I, you know, his girlfriend and my girlfriend were sisters and I drove him home one night and I had him rolling and laughing uh, because I was a inspiring stand-up comedian at the time. And, uh, he called me up a couple weeks later and said, look, I want to do a short film about the rise and fall of a porno star named Dirt Diggler and uh, come on over into my parents' house in my bedroom and let's have a pre-production meeting about it. And I said, all right, I'm in. So uh, we, uh, you know, did some other fun videos before that building up to it, you know, several months, you know, building up to it. And then, you know, he finally, unlike other friends, you know, he, he carried through with the project and uh, it was shot on vhs and edited on two vcrs you know late 80s oh, man. and then uh it did well it, did, it won an american film institute award um uh, it was done in like a spinal tap kind of like mm -hmm. you know documentary mockumentary you know style half hour long 
And uh, then eight years later, you know, seeing the progression of writing it to a feature length, you know, Spinal Tap-esque, and then into a fictional story with uh, a lot of, uh, you know, seeing that process and seeing somebody become successful that you're friends with at the time and, and you know, understanding, you know, the process, how these, you know, can be, it can be done, you know, and uh, it encourages you and, and, and uh, you're proud of that person for doing something like that. And um, yeah, it's uh, Boogie Nights was, it was huge, you know, it was the second movie. It wasn't his first. Uh, the first was Hard Eight. Right. That, was, that did well as well. I love and, that uh, movie, Hard Eight. Super underrated. Yeah, it is. It is. It just didn't have the Reicher Entertainment. That they didn't really put the funding behind it, to, you know, to, but uh, New Line Cinema, you know, did uh, Boogie Nights and they really, you know, got behind it. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's had a great career ever since. I think like uh, just the <laughs> I mean, it was I read eight years later, right, between the short film and the uh, feature. Right. Uh, so like just the production difference of, <laughs> of it, like going into because everyone uh, always like film school and everything. You think about the the shot, the like one or of uh, Boogie Nights, right? Like we study this shot now. So to the shot. Um, it's the one going the into opening. the club, right? Uh, where it's going from the dolly or like in the crane down. Scorsese-esque, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Walk walk off the crane with steady cam into the club, wrapping around one shot on a 400-foot uh, mag. Yeah. Ex- exactly. Yeah, like, I mean, just for you to go to like think about being together during this like short film where you like you said oh, edited yeah. with two VHSs VHS, yeah. to then go to this movie that now has like scenes that are studied to this day for filmmakers like that's insane right right now and and uh and, and Paul's always been a student of film so he's you know that, that's like you know certain um we would get together uh and uh he was, you know, a chapter ahead of me, but we were all both film nerds. And, uh, you know, other people talk about who played second base for like, you know, the Dodgers in 62. Uh, you know, we would talk about, you know, who did the music for Born on Fourth of July or, you know, John Williams or whatever, who, who are, you know, like, you know, you would kind of debate on, you know, six degrees separation, you know, Kevin Bacon, you know, and I was before the internet. So, you know, you would, you know, it'd be like a little sport, you know? And so he, he was a student. So all those shots are, you know, watching so many films and so many reps of, of, you know, reading screenplays and watching films. And, um, you know, what that beautiful shot that he does where at the party where he, then it goes in the water, uh, and out of the water, that's uh, a reference from soy Cuba. I am Cuba, which is a propaganda film, uh, you know, made by the Cubans, uh, funded by the Russians, uh, you know, re-edited and remastered by Martin Scorsese came out, uh, I think in the early nineties. And, um, mm-hmm. there's just so many, shots that he you know being a student of film that he that he learned and that he uh showed in and in, in boogie nights um and i want to talk about you being a director as well right um so you have a, a movie that is just absolutely insane cast to think about i mean like looking at it and seeing yourself Andy Dick and Faye Dunaway. This is the most insane group of people. Right. Um, how was this experience? Okay. All right. So um, seeing what Paul did, then I, I started directing documentaries. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a nightclub promoter. I was a top nightclub promoter in LA. And then I, you know, started, you know, I said, I want to be an actor and a filmmaker. So I want to do what Paul did. So I want to segue into, you know, maybe I'll do documentaries. So I, mm-hmm. I didn't, wasn't in the rave scene. So I did documentaries on the rave scene, on the history of LA clubs, 
got my reps and learning there. And then I did film production. And then I produced a short film called Rituals and Resolutions, won many awards, uh, two top short film uh, festival awards in the world, got acquired by HBO, got close to a movie deal. Uh, one of my screenplays, you know, about, about underground gambling casinos in Los Angeles, we got close to being made. But after like a year of like no movie deal over a year, I got so frustrated. I had another screenplay in mind that I wanted to do. And I said, no one's going to let me make this film and no one's giving me money. I'm just going to make this film myself. But I was broke and I wasn't dead. So I said, I just need to be an entrepreneur again. Like I was a nightclub promoter. And this was like late 90s. So I said, I got to do something. So I started a business to make money on the internet, which has nothing to do with Hollywood. And I finished this screenplay that nobody would ever let me make, which is just crazy. It was like these inspired as a kid with Kentucky Fried Movie. And I was into like American Beauty, you know, and the juxtaposition between drama and comedy. And I said, I'm going to make a film. I was so frustrated with Hollywood that I love Hollywood style, which is the film you're talking about, is a, a almost like a swan song to say, fuck you. I don't know. Can I swear? Oh, oh yeah. I was like, fuck you, Hollywood. I'm going to make the oh, film my. I want to make. <laughs> oh, wait, we're, we're talking about Hollywood? No, we, pluck, your, want, pluck the ears on your kitten over there. We want but Hollywood like, to be our friends, so maybe. maybe yeah, yeah. yeah, well, you know, Hollywood will always be your friends as long as, okay. you know, whatever. So I, I said, screw it. You know, I'm just going to make what I want to make. I'm tired of, you know, being in development hell. You get the money out. We'll get the talent. You get the talent. We'll get the money back and forth forever. And I wrote this film, and I said, whatever money I make, I'm going to make it, this film. So it started off wanting to be like, you know, like a Richard Rodriguez or a Robert Rodriguez, um, Richard Rodriguez, uh, you know, independent film. Like, I'm just going to donate blood and it's only cost $6,000. And that's what every <laughs> independent filmmaker thinks he's going to do. So then little by little, I was like, wow, we need to get somebody to play God. Well, Anne Bancroft or Faye Dunaway, Mommy Dearest. How do we get her? You know, and I just like, now you get, you get the disease. You want it bigger. And bigger and you're like no no, no. Hey, we have to do that it has to be that'll be the only celebrity and they're like oh well now we got Faye Dunaway I was like let's get like somebody that's crazy for the the porno director you know like and, and you know and let's get you know well Don DeLuise he just died that's why I thought you know I'm thinking Blazing Saddles you yeah, know yeah and then I was like no Andy Dick would be good for that you know we gotta get him you know <laughs> he gets possessed you know Coolio we so, gotta we gotta rise and fall of a rap star we gotta get somebody and I knew a friend that knew Coolio and I was like yeah he'll do like let's get Coolio so I'm like you go crazy trying to cast this thing and then we got Stephen Tobolowski from you know big yeah. cast right I was gonna ask you about Stephen Tobolowski I love that guy love Ned that Ryerson guy. Bing. Yeah, that's right. You know, Groundhog Day, Ned Ryerson, Mississippi Burning. The guy can do everything. He's had this like mix of like drama and comedy. So I just made, I started making this film and it, you know, I remember one point where it just got crazy. I was doing this business, was growing. I'm working it out of my, my rented shack in Sherman Oaks, California. I got business out of there. I'm doing the film. And then my producer at the time said, I, I said, look, you know, I don't want to spend this money on this we did a, like a heaven scene and a hell scene and it was a really expensive week and he goes look no matter what you do because we were arguing about the budget you got because this started off to be like a like a home movie kind of thing mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that i wanted to be special but and he's like no matter what you do you're going to spend a hundred thousand dollars this week and i looked at him like i wanted to yell at him and just say screw you you're not trying hard enough to be a producer to get anybody could like you know get a <laughs> camera package and just pay whatever he mm -hmm. did what he could but that's what happens with the disease of, of you know. So this movie, <laughs> you know, was a runaway train. I, it, it won some film festival awards, but it was just crazy. And it's 
to explain to your audience what it's about. It's about four stories, uh, four different vignettes about love and Hollywood and dysfunctional, you know, juxtaposition, juxtaposition between comedy and drama. It's like a cross between Kentucky Fried Movie and American Beauty. Mm-hmm. Wow. What a combination. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I like uh, how how was it for um, like, how did it do for like international markets? Because I know this is like a big strategy now, right? Like a lot of independent movies will have like a big, like they'll put like a Faye Dunaway on the poster. I know that I was a part of a movie in BC that was a low budget movie, but we got Pamela Anderson. We put her on the poster and then all of a sudden like it blows up in China, right? Like um, this is a big strategy for movies. Now I'm wondering how it did then internationally. Well, this is the other, we're doing a, we just found the footage to the making of this film about four months ago. Oh, wow. And I just started editing with the, with the filmmaker that did all the footage because he became a filmmaker. And we decided to do a documentary about this that we want to wrap up at the end of the year called Burning the Boats, which is basically about, you know, trying to choose your choice between passion and opportunity. Yeah. Now, some artists will just throw away their whole life. So the reason why I bring that up and, what your example was with Pamela Anderson is that the film company, because this was such a runaway train, it was so, you know, cause when I did my short film it was very organized, produced very well. But when you do thir- you go from 30 minutes to, you know, an hour and a half, mm-hmm. it's exponentially more difficult, especially mm-hmm. with all the locations and, and, and how crazy it was to do what I did. So the com- the film company that took it over, they did the, they had to change the music. And I just said, look, you know, do what you want. I'll get you the music. Here's, here's this, here's that. They had to do some edits that I would, that I didn't do. They also, you know, took the film, they marketed it the way they want to market it. Of course they, you know, they exploit, you know, Faye Dunaway and Andy Dick and Coolio and, and they did some cheesy stuff, you know, because you could easily fall off in that cheese wagon, you know, with that kind of genre, you know, you got to be careful with it. And that was always my thing to try to make it kind of smart, not crazy but they, you know, like a film company. And then without naming that film company, they knew they were going bankrupt and they were acquiring films, not just me and I met other filmmakers that they then started distributing that film with the intention of never paying the filmmakers. Oh, They knew that they were going to go BK. So that, you know, yes, they'll put whoever on the label, they, you know, some company, you know, big companies, you know, this is an independent world you know, big companies, they'll collaborate depending on if you have, you know, you know, first rights or whatever, but, uh, they were a runaway train themselves and, um, like piranhas, you know, if you're not, don't have your shit together, they'll eat it up Mm -hmm. and they'll just, you know, spit it out. And that's what they did. And that's, so you'll see like, you know, I just hands off with it because in order for me to salvage that film and, and try to like, you know, say protect it and, you know, promote it the way that I would do it would be too much time off my hands because of the business I told you about kind of has taken off and has become its own animal. So I just concentrate on, you know, prioritization and, you know, bigger things, but yeah. that that's what happened with that film and how it was promoted and, you know, the names that they put on and how that works, you know? Mm-hmm. So every, every story is different, but that's my story for that film. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, I mean, I've been watching a lot of Don Cheadle's, 90s work recently i watched out of sight and i watched um devil in a blue dress recently and i mean the guy was knocking it out of the park in the 90s and even now like he's like you know this huge hollywood player but always always seems to be like playing like 
what doing what he wants to do right so you worked with him what i mean i would love to ask you about don Cheadle. he's a smart guy he's like he's a writer also um Mm -hmm. and he he's uh, a craftsman and it was nice to play tennis with him because i was very serious about what i was doing and he was serious about what he was doing and he was very uh giving and uh he would respond to your improv and you'd be in the moment with him and you guys are locked in you know, you, you've got 15 seconds before camera rolling. And so you have to prepare, you know, at lightning speed to get your emotions and, you know, and he's, he's just, just that kind of, when you play with somebody that's just a fine tuned instrument, that's, mm-hmm. that's Don Cheadle. Likewise with, uh, I didn't act with him, but uh, Phil Hoffman as well. Right. Right. Um, so, so you, you, you didn't act with Phil, Philip Seymour Hoffman, but did no, you? No, just Don you, Cheadle and Boogie Nights. You, you met him though? Or oh yeah. On- yeah, that's cool. Yeah, nice guy, great guy. He's very personable. Mm-hmm. He was uh, just uh, he he understood you know the 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 lines between celebrity bullshit and just real life person you know, and that was nice because as soon as you get over that, then you'd be better artist because uh, yeah, it's just a facade you know. As we're all just people, and this person was hone their craft enough or they have the right look or they had something to where they were able to get, you know, work steadily and then it clicks and then then you ride that wave. And he understood that. The other day I watched uh, Twister <laughs> and he is, he is a small role in that. I know I was just, yeah. um, I saw it the other day on, uh, yeah. Uh, he has a small role in it and he's yeah. like the goofy character. Right. But then at the end he has to play like an emotional moment and it got me in this movie Twister and it, like I was like oh my gosh Philip Seymour Hoffman is such a good actor that he's 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 like this like goofball for most of the movie and then the one time he has to he has to do it he does it. I'm not that guy to talk shit about films but you know every film has great elements into it. You know there's like there's mm-hmm. there's something reason why that script got greenlit and all that. And, and, and there are moments of that in, in Twister, but the moment that Paxton it, near, the, near the end uh, grabs Helen Hunt by the arm and says, run for it. Yeah. I, got, I threw up a little bit in my mouth there, you know, because this is the worst dialogue. I mean, who says that? Run well, it's for it. It's also because she's already running for it and, <laughs> and she can see the house flying towards them as well. Yeah. Yeah, like, like you need to tell someone to run. Yeah, I mean, but that's the only time you ever like if if we were like hanging out on a camping trip, all, all all five four of us, and we're like sitting there, you know, and then see this tornado, like run for it, you know, it's like it's just that never happens. It just mm-hmm. who says that? Run for it. I don't know. I just everybody's got their pet peeve. That's yeah. the one line in the movie that just really you know. But other than there, that, I just, when I think and there's a bunch stuff. of lines like that, like just like obvious uh, lines in Twister where they're where they're being like, "Well, there's the tornado," and we're all like, "Yeah, yeah, we yeah we know." Okay, let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or run to that fucking barn. Mm-hmm. Hold my hand tight. Anything, but run for it. I don't know. <laughs> to uh, dive into a spookier note here, even spookier than the bad dialogue of Twister. <laughs> we need to know, Michael. Do you believe in ghosts? No. Oh, <laughs> but yeah. I have a good ghost story that I grew up with. Uh, yeah, let's hear. Want to hear it? Yeah. All right. So I grew up in the San Fernando Valley, in Van Nuys, California, where my uh, mom's best friend lived, and they had what was known. It's always been on the news. And everything they had their house was famous for being haunted and it wasn't like one of those big like you know universal studios kind of houses it was just a normal house in van nuys you know in the flats you know in the valley and uh i slept there all the time and i didn't you know i'd be freaked out but there would be stories and my mom swore that she saw diapers fly across the room and things like that 
but uh, I don't believe in ghosts. My wife believes in ghosts. And, um, you know, the reason why you never see Jewish people get haunted is because I'm Jewish, by the way, <laughs> if you had to guess, is because, you know, first of all, my mom, the, the, the ghost would just run away. She's like, you know, is this what you do? This is what this is what you do um, when you're dead. You go around haunting people. Why don't you make something your afterlife? You know, the ghost would just say, fuck this. I'm out of here and just leave. We never get haunted. So, mm -hmm. no, I don't believe in ghosts. <laughs> it, that ties into my theory that all ghosts are losers. So, yeah, they should. They should do something with their afterlife. Damien's a non-believer, too. Yeah. Um, but like uh, I think there are things I, in the uh, Jewish world that are uh, like haunted, like Dybbuk boxes, which we want to open. Yeah. In the house. I, I eat bacon. So what? So what do I know? But, <laughs> but here's the thing. Like, what? Where do you draw the line of what gets haunted? You know, a house mm. can get haunted. OK, can a mobile home get haunted? Can a dog? Can a lunchbox get haunted? I mean, what can get haunted? Where do you draw the line of what can be haunted or what can't be? Well, ghosts can go wherever they want, I guess. Yeah, if you're watching the Conjuring movies, everything can get haunted. Okay. <laughs> well, my thing about that too is that everything probably should be haunted. I mean, anywhere you live, if if you live anywhere that's like had people for more than like 20 years, there's going to be at least one or two people who have died in almost every building that you're going to be in, unless it's like a new building. It it's an interesting uh, standpoint here because one skeptic saying how could everything be haunted and then you're saying realistically everything if should be haunted real, everything yeah. would be haunted so so sure. it's it's the same it's two sides of the same coin it's basically like well what can be haunted and I'm like well if if there were hauntings everything should be and nothing is so yes yeah you see he's he's right because you never hear about something that's like I had a speed speed this is in the 70s I had a speed racer lunchbox I opened it up and a ghost came out or my my sandwich flew up in my face and then I saw this image you never hear that it's always some old house or something yeah. or like you know it's the same people that says I saw Elvis floating over a swap meet in Phoenix I mean it just doesn't make sense to me Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you didn't believe your mother's diapers story of diapers no. flying around this house? She was sleep deprived. Was yeah, it your diapers? Right. <laughs> divorcing my dad. Maybe she had too, too many cocktails. I don't know. These things happen. I mean, that makes sense to me. I mean, I can see my mom doing that. <laughs> you just walk into the true. living room. It's your mother she's throwing diapers. diapers. She's hammered drunk. She's like, there are diapers flying around at me. <laughs> <laughs> Mom, calm down. Yeah, that's that's a horror in its own way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't want to get hit with a diaper. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I've been hit with a diaper when it was full. Oh, it no. Sucks. What? Who did that? I'm a father. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> Those are the moments your wife loves. She's like, oh, this is hilarious. I'm like, can I have a, like, a towel? <laughs> I was worried it was going to be an adult diaper for a second. And then I'm like, no, no. <laughs> oh, that, would, that would be worth So you take it to the next level. Yeah, yeah I yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. We got to heighten. <laughs> But on that note, we got a story to tell. We all drew positions beforehand. Uh, Michael, do you want to reveal what position you drew? I, I, I don't know the, the story quite yet and how this works, but I'm uh, a celebrity. Yeah. Yes. So I go to a random celebrity generator. It's going to give you four options. You'll have to appear as one of these celebrities at some point during the story. Not stricken to that character, but they must appear. Okay. So your options are Meriwether Lewis. Daniel's Danielle Steele, Bob Hope, and Robert Downey Jr. Oh God, I gotta pick one of them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, if you want all of them, I feel like we've gotten <laughs> Mary Weather Lewis a few times lately. Mary yeah, it really wants Mary Weather Lewis in these stories. I have no idea who she is. Mary Weather Lewis. Who I'm is she? Look, it's a man. 
Meriwether Lewis. I can't see your iPhone there. Okay, let's see. Okay, well. You can't um, see it. <laughs> well, God, I'll you have to go with, and put it up. I'm going to go with Danielle Steele because I have no idea what she sounds like, and I think nobody else does either. Mm-hmm. So let's go with her. She's oh, the one who just did all the books like uh, M is for murder and B is for bomb. Like she had the alphabet books. Right? Oh, I remember that. Yeah, like, like the I is for intrigue. Yeah. She's a novelist. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She <laughs> is the raised letter, the raised gold lettering. I could see that on the book. Mm-hmm. All right, thank uh, you. That's good. Mary Lowether Lewis was an American explorer, soldier, politician, and public administrator. He led the leader of the Lewis, Lewis and Clark expedition. Well, tell Meriwether Lewis, get lost, loser, because he's not going to be in our story. Yeah, Daniel Steele's going to kick the shit out of him. All right, here we go. <laughs> Daniel Steele it is. K is for kick your ass, Meriwether. <laughs> uh, Joel, what did you draw? I'm the swing, baby. I am, too. No responsibility in the story. We can do whatever we want. This is bullshit. I was going to do that anyway. <laughs> and Damien. That means I drew the narrator. So for that, we're going to go to canigeta.com to get a location, a relationship, or a word in order to get this story started. Let's do, oh, relationship. Blind date. All right. That's a good one. I don't so, think we've had that one before. The spooky blind date. That's right. Narrated by Damien and where mm-hmm. the characters inside. <laughs> This episode of Spooked is brought to you by BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Spooked, S-P-O-O-K-E-D, to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Spooked. Yes. Love is in the air. That's Valentine's right. Day is Va- coming up. Valentine's Day coming up, and it's okay if you don't have a sweetheart this year. Mm-hmm. Have no fear. I know that that weighs on a lot of people, whether they have a Valentine, don't have That's a Valentine, right. you know, and the stresses of planning Valentine's Day is a lot. It can be a lot for you, and you might need someone to talk to during this time. Self-love is important, and what better way to do that than with our friends at BetterHelp? Exactly. I know that for myself, mm-hmm. I get a lot of uh, stress while uh, doing planning and do- mm-hmm. and putting things together. That really uh, stresses me out. It um, gives me anxiety. It uh, it makes me kind of just fold up and want to just stay in bed. But it doesn't have to be that way. No, it doesn't. So the people at BetterHelp have people to talk to you about this and talk to me. Yeah. And if you're thinking about starting therapy, BetterHelp's a great way to do that. It's entirely online. So even if you are stuck in bed, what great way to start it where you don't have to leave the first few sessions? Exactly. Yeah, just open up your open uh, it up laptop. and get it started right there. Yeah, in bed, perfect. You can still wear your jammies, just as I like it. BetterHelp is designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule, whatever that schedule may be. Just fill out their brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And hey, if they don't work out for some reason, you can switch your therapist at any time for no additional charge. Yeah, you're not stuck to a therapist, you know, and and it's all. And online and everything, so you don't have to have that awkward thing of like in person, and then they're just wondering whether you're, they're going to see you again in person, and it's more of a connection. No, do online, do BetterHelp. That's right. So don't forget, go to BetterHelp.com/spooked to get ten percent off your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P dot com slash spooked.
Douglas sat at the bar all alone. He, he was nervous. You know, he, this is the first time he'd been on a date in a couple of years. It, it, it's hard to get back into the pool after being out of it for so long. But Douglas knew that he had to get back up on that horse and try again. So he sat there sipping his ginger ale, waiting for for Marion to finally arrive. Bar bartender, bartender, please, another cocktail. I I'm nervous. Uh Sorry, another cocktail. You were drinking ginger ale. I'm confused. I call ginger ale's cocktails because I don't want to get embarrassed at the bar. OK, so don't say it out loud. Bartender. Technically, ginger ale could be considered a cocktail, but it's like mixed at like a, a, a soda packing plant. You know, it's the, not by me. I mean, I would bartender. love to make a cocktail. I, I'm, I'm also new at this. So like I would love to try something out, you know, the bartender kindly put some grenadine and a little umbrella in the ginger ale to make him feel better. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. And if anyone else does alcohol in this, okay. You know, the pressures at these bars these days. Yeah, sure. I know. H how are you doing? What's wrong? What's wrong with you? <laughs> well, you know, I've, I've just, I haven't been, uh, on hey, the can I get a goddamn beer down here? Oh, oh I gosh. see you're busy. I, I I'll just... No, it's, it's really okay. Hey, uh, Hey buddy at the end of the bar who just yelled at me. Yeah. Get the hell out of here. You're what? cut off. Yeah, honestly, I'm uh, I, I'm I'm done. Uh, this is my first day and I'm, I'm done with assholes like you. Uh, this is, uh, you know, it's me putting my foot down. This is my my first day on the job and uh, this is the way it's going to go. I'm going to be an asshole. Listen, pal, I've been sitting here for 15 minutes. I watched you polish a glass for 10 minutes. Then mm -hmm. you wandered over to this goofus, poured him two ginger ales and then asked him what's wrong with him. That's the job, okay? That's in the job description. Haven't you watched Cheers? See, see, that's... Shit, he's got me. You that's know what? Why, I'll leave. Okay, see you later. That's why I respect you, because you got this kind of moxie, this confidence about you. I haven't had this confidence. I haven't been on a date in over three years, and I'm finally having one now, and I'm just slugging back ginger ales. I, I, I know that you've only seen me drink three tonight, but I had about six ginger ales back at home, too. Why haven't you been on a date in three years? Come on, man. I don't know. Sorry, I'm a bit jittery. I'm running on a sugar high over here. Uh, it, it, I don't know. It's just been hard. Oh, my God. Sorry to cut you off, but a beautiful woman just walked through the door. Hello, darling. I heard it was your first night. Could you do me a favor and get me a martini with a minor cheddo cherry? That's M, martini, with a maraschino cherry. Oh, my gosh. I feel like I know who this person is. But, uh, yeah, sure. Just, uh, just a second, uh, my darling. Hey, Doug. Come here for a sec. Yeah. Are you a fan of uh, um, like beach reads? Um, of course. Who's not? You heard of a uh, Danielle Steele? Yeah, of, of course. Well, uh, five o'clock, my friend. Oh my god, I'm so intimidated now. Please don't leave to make that drink. You got to stay with me. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go make the drink, and I want you to practice. Okay, your blind date's coming soon. I want you to talk to Danielle Steele like it's your your blind date. Practice. This is more intimidating than what the blind date would be. Well, I mean, yeah, throw you into the fire, you know, the whole uh, out of the frying pan, you know. You Wait, know, are phrases. you actually picking me up and throwing me? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, sorry, uh, Mrs. Steele. Yes, darling. Um, I'm I'm a big fan. Uh, can I buy you a martini? I know you're getting one already. Oh shit. Sure, why not? Let's get drunk and smash, darling. I'd love a man with beards. Not so much yours that looks like a rabbi, but, you know, you do have that wonderful kind of esque, like Don DeLuise. Did we mention him twice tonight? No, I digress. Um, 
okay, Dom DeLuise, does she like me or is she trying to hurt my feelings? Wonderful <laughs> sense of humor. Um, th- uh, thank you, thank you. Um, hey, do you think you could give me a little bit of advice? Yes, well, you might want an EKG. It sounds like you're running out of breath. <laughs> yeah, I'm having a hard time. I'm having a panic attack. Minor, but I, I mean, it's just catching up on me. Um, I have a blind date today, and I just, I, I haven't been out with anyone in a very long time. Uh, three years, exactly. Uh, three years and two days. Um, it's almost an anniversary. Uh, can you help me? How am I supposed to talk to people? Well, definitely not like you're talking now. Mm-hmm. Why don't you up it up a couple of octaves and maybe you should just not mention your anniversary at all to your date. Yeah, I, sorry, I was just overheard that. You said you haven't talked to anyone in three years. I thought you just hadn't been on a date in three years. What have you been doing for three years? I really, I'm, I'm really curious. By the way, uh, Danielle Steele, here's your uh, martini. I don't know what's in it. I uh, have never made well, one of these before and you could just try it and see if you like it. Well, and if you don't like it, Oh, wonderful. I love that maraschino cough syrup taste. It's wonderful, darling. Thank you. Well, yeah, it actually is cough syrup. Um, uh, yeah, go on. Uh, sorry, uh, Douglas, what, what, what have you been doing for three years? Um, well, basically, all I've been doing is sitting at home watching TV. I Uber eats my groceries, so they just send me cases of ginger ale. I uh, slug them back. I've formed an addiction at this point, and that's why I'm here. And it's kind of my comfort, so I don't know. So it's been a lot of working at doing this for only three years. This doesn't answer my I'm very curious why you haven't talked to anyone in three years. Well, as you know, it's yeah, it's 2023. Uh, We've been under covid lockdown for three years now. I've been working from home. And was that the last time you shaved? Okay, yeah, I don't have to insult me now, uh, Mrs. Steele. But yes, I love a man with a beard. (laughs) Telegram for Stinky Douglas. Stinky Douglas, is that your first name? No, well, <laughs> Telegram, Stinky Douglas. Are you Stinky Douglas? Yes, my boss at work legally changed my first name to Stinky Douglas because I visibly had stink lines on our Zoom meetings. I love a stinky man. Oh, that's really. Daniel Steele. My, my cheese fetish, actually. Yes. Danielle, honestly. I, I read about that and see is for... Cheese. Listen, I'm glad that there's a lot of backstory going on, but I got a lot of other telegrams to deliver. <laughs> okay, yeah, just give me All the. All right. Are, 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 is there Here's any telegrams stink- for 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 a bartender? Wait a minute, let me check. Oh yes, I got one right here. Here you go for uh, a cool bartender guy. Oh, what he has. Oh, cool thank you. His... Yeah. Oh, and I have one here for acclaimed author and all-around good person Diane Steele. Here you go. Oh, thank you, darling. And back stinky to the look. <laughs> stinky Douglas one. I love Stinky. I'd like to put him on a charcuterie tray and just roll around with him in his beard and his stinky cheese smell. Danielle, I really wish that you were my blind date because you seem to be all about everything I'm doing. Dear Stinky D, stop. It's I, Marion. Stop. I had to stop. Stop. I won't be coming. Stop. Love, Marion. Stop. What was she telling you to stop? Just a joke. I I know how telegrams work. It's all good. It's all good. It looks like I've been stood up. Oh, stinky. Don't fret. That bitch loser slut probably had another date that was going to turn out to be somebody working at a gas station no less than three months from now. Hey, that's my sister. 
You Marion's would... your sister telegram, man? Yeah. Oh, well, she's wonderful. Sorry about that, darling. Thank I'm you. sure she'll work at a nice Texaco instead. <laughs> Maybe she will. You know what? I'm hoping some good things will happen for her finally after she dumped the stinky line man. I heard gas stations and the new... Uh, you know, wait for uh, she wants to be an actress, maybe. So that's the new thing. <laughs> that's true. I mean, if you can pump gas, you can uh, you can act, I guess. It's also true. If you, you can pump, pump that gas, you can also uh, make a martini for Danielle Steele, because mm-hmm. that's kind of what I did. Well, you get yes. strong, strong. Can I arms. have another one of these Vicks uh, martinis, please. Sure. I'll, I'm just going to run over to the local gas station and get it for you. Yes. The, cherry, the bar- cherry, cherry. The bartender rushed out the door and down the block to the local gas station. He pushed well, a, well, a man well. filling up his moped out of the way. Yes, well, 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 well. Uh, if you'd excuse me, sir, I'm going to uh, um, take the last of your gas here and put it in this martini glass, if that's okay with you. What? I, I, Dana, I love that. I have to get back to my family. Um, y- yeah, yeah. I mean, you have a wife and kids, I guess. Well, yes, I do. And I have to go see them. It's been several years. I was oh out of town. What have Wait. all these people been doing for years? What is it, going on here? It was three years and two days, almost exactly to the anniversary. Where have I been for? I guess I haven't been working. This is my first day on the job. That's right. It's your first day, right? Um, well, uh, I just just while I'm here, have you seen a woman named Marion? By the way, oh, I remember Marion. She used to work at the other gas station, right? I would fill up there all the time. I have, I have no, I have no clue. I just heard about her uh, um, uh, in a telegram. Uh, but I am kind of looking for. Her. There's a depressed person at my bar, and as it's, it's uh, in the description of the bar, you have to make sure your your right. customers are happy. So I'm trying to find uh, this Marion fella and that, also get get Diane steal her gasoline cocktail that she. Asked that's for. true. Bet bartenders are like detectives and therapists. You have to solve crimes and fix people's problems. Yeah, I'm also going to solve a crime, and I'm going to be the main character of Daniel Steele's next book. Oh, cool. that's strange because I'm practicing become a bartender. Oh, Whoa. Daniel, I didn't. Are you shadowing me right now? I didn't realize you came with me. <laughs> that's why I'm here, and okay. plus to take Stinky home with me at the end of the night. Yeah, we all followed you out. Oh, um, I didn't realize you're yeah, here too. Okay. Couple, couple questions. He said when you pushed him out of the way, he said he couldn't get home. Did you come here empty of no gas whatsoever? That's why I came to the gas station to fill up. I was running on empty. Okay, and you just didn't even get a. a Pump in when he pushed you out of the way? Well, I got a pump in, but then I decided to pump the gas after that. Oh, are you talking about jacking off? <laughs> what? No, I had to raise up my little scooter to check underneath. Uh, uh, maybe. Sorry, I, I, like to, I like to get things out in the open here, you know? Okay, maybe I was. But I've been, no, I've been away for three years and two days, so I was lonely. You know that what? may be so, but we do need a ride to the and other you know- gas station to find Marion, so you're going to have to drive us. Okay, well, let me. Can I borrow that martini to fill up my tank? Well, let Danielle Steele have a sip first. Okay, Danielle, please take a sip. Oh, just wonderful. I think it's an 87%. Oh, lovely. That's right. I, I only get the 87%. Nothing more. <laughs> nothing less. Cheap bastard. I know. I know. All right, in the tank you go, and off we go to the Texaco down the block. Hopefully, Marion will be there and. Maybe I can get a discount and maybe I'll get some 88%. Yeah, maybe. Um, Danielle. Yeah. Step on it. 
Danielle, I'm, I'm sorry I didn't stand up for you back there. I, I really feel like you should have been able to drink the whole drink. And I, I, I just I, it could have been my big moment to, you know, just show you that I could I could stand up for myself and I could stand up for you. That's OK, darling. I love a man that's desperate with insecurities. That's just you. Yeah, who's I got to say it's sorry, uh, uh, Douglas. I, I know that Daniel Steele is really like uh, kind of hyping you up for your your negative qualities, but I don't. If you want to impress Marion, I I'm not sure. I think you need to like do the opposite of what Daniel Steele asked you to do. Yeah, you're really bumming us up, dude. I I don't know if I need to even impress Miriam anymore because Danielle loves me for who I am, and I need to give her a piece of my mind because we never even met for one, and she dumped me, so I don't even know how that works. It was a blind date. Two, also, I uh, she stood me up, and that's not okay. And I need to, okay, I need to I mean, tell her. If they send okay. you such aggression and resolution, if oh they send you a God. telegram, does that count as being stood up? I mean, kind of. Stood up, but not ghosted. That's fair. Yeah. Okay. I'm by the way, now doesn't it? <laughs> by the way, we're here. We're here at the Texaco, and I think that that pretty lady over there might be Marion. Oh my God! Uh, someone um, fix my beard. Oh no! No help there. Stinky. But what we had wasn't it special? It is. It is. I just, I if I'm gonna go over there and give her a piece of my mind, I want to look good doing it. You fly, little birdie. You get your balls back, and you go in there, and you find Miriam. You make it happen for you. Thank you. Thank you, Danielle Steele. Douglas hopped off the moped. He combed through his beard, getting out the little bits of Cheez-Its and ginger ale juice out of it, and he slicked back his hair, ready to go out there and give Marion a piece of his mind. He recognized her from her profile picture. He knew she was the one who had pissed him off. Hey, listen why, here. He why, hello. <laughs> Miriam. Yes, that's me. You stood me up tonight. Oh, it's uh, are you I can't I can't I've stood up a lot of people tonight. You see, I have a very busy schedule. How it's, many dates did you have scheduled? About 15. You don't do that. Well, that's Pardon why me, I left sir. the house. <laughs> yes, he, I was supposed to go on a date with this man as yeah. well. And then it didn't work out, so I was going to see my family. I was also supposed <laughs> to go on a date with the claimed author, Danielle Steele. The chick is up, Miriam. We're supposed to meet each other. Stinky's been a ploy. This is going uh, to be an uh, impetus for my new book. Yes, oh. and I also, that's why I sent you all telegrams. I was also supposed to meet the bartender as well. <laughs> Very progressive story. Sorry, Stinky. Yes, that's why I delivered all those telegrams because my sister wanted to set you all up. Ha ha. Looks like act... you're going to be alone again, but don't fret. You'll have another three years to like think it over. I finally thought that someone liked me for who I was and they just <laughs> used me. They called me a ploy. I thought this was love. And By also, way, my you... family, I thought you meant you were married. I am. It was love, Stinky. We love to have the ploy with you. Listen, my wife's okay with it. You know, we, we sometimes stray outside the marriage. You know, we, we have an agreement. Stinky, don't fret. Listen, we're not laughing at you. We're laughing near you. Mm -hmm. really well, I'm laughing like at you a little bit. And by the way, Stinky, you do have uh, some like dingleberries in your beard. I think they're made of uh, ginger ale, though. 
ginger ale dinkleberries. I hope they're jingleberry berries. Let me squeeze you, son. Do you clean yourself up, please? Everyone, leave me alone. Leave Seems me like alone. you've done that quite well on yourself, son. <laughs> Douglas ran off behind the gas station crying. He didn't want to see them anymore. He didn't want to be a part of this, this, this facade being tricked by all these people and this famous author just to be a part of a story. What was happening to him? This isn't who I am. The buzzer went through the beard, getting caught a few times in the ginger ale dingleberries, but eventually cutting through it. He shaved off that beard and everything else around his head. Finally, there was Is that Stinky or Tom Selleck? There was a perfectly egg-shaped dome that came around the corner. He was practically glowing, a halo around his face. I'm, I'm hairless now, baby. Oh my God! It looks like a shiny light bulb, man. He's oh. so Tally He's so, so bright and beautiful. Yeah, we we could light a, a movie adaptation of one of Daniel Steele's books right now. Yeah, he doesn't even smell like ginger ale anymore. Telly, will you be in my new book? I love you, baby. Yeah, I will. You're now no longer Stinky Douglas. You're now um, shiny, ball, shiny, bald Doug. Shiny, bald Doug, Telly Savalas. We love you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. I didn't know that all the smell, all the hatred towards me was all due to hair. If I knew that, I would have got rid of it years ago. You should have invested in there. Proper hygiene's important. That's why our sponsor, Manscaped, is very good. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, oh, my gosh. Uh, uh, Douglas, I'm sorry to tell you, but the hair's growing back very quickly. Oh, You're no. going to need to be shaving that quickly if you want to uh, make us like you still. Oh, my God. The man looks like a Yeti now. Uh, 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 uh. No matter how much Douglas shaved and buzzed, the hair just kept coming back quicker and quicker. It's almost as if with each hair cut, two more grew back in its place. It was like a hydra on his face of furry hairs. I'm a monster. Here, married guy that's still going on a lot of dates. Yeah. Quick bartender, make him a banana daiquiri or something. Please. Oh, that'll do it. Banana daiquiri, what's in that? Bananas and daiquiris. Don't you okay. dare make that drink. Oh, oh, oh. oh. <laughs> what the hell? And you. Oh, stay back. What? Why the hell are you hitting everybody? We Douglas. weren't even looking Stop at you. Hitting people. You punched me in the back of the head. I am very aggressive now, and I want to show everyone that I take no shit. Oh, jeez. But you smell like it. What? It just grew back. How does it smell already? I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> well, despite you being really ugly and hairy, it does seem like you learned your lesson to be confident. Yeah, you're super alpha now, bro. Oh, <laughs> oh that was God. the side of my head. <laughs> Get back. You're an asshole now. Oh, okay, yeah, you went from alpha to dickhole. Not so fast. The Yeti shows birth. Oh, thank you. Uh, there we go, Daniel Steele. Um, uh, praising right. your bad qualities again. That's you've been class, you've been looking for, Steel. looking for I'd a subject say that for young why. man has some of the prodigious type of quality. Why is for Yeti? <laughs> why is for Yeti? And it and it became a bestseller in the New York Times. <laughs> Spooked. 
that was a scary story. It was oh. hair. The 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 <laughs> hair growing reminded me of uh, uh, the lonesome death of Jody Jordy Verrill in mm. uh, in Creepshow, right? Or in uh, Jim Carrey's The Grinch, where he shaves off his beard. Oh. Yeah, or what, what's the one where uh, was it uh, the the Christmas uh, the Santa where he shaves off his beard and just grows right back? Oh, oh the yes. Santa Claus, the yeah, Santa Santa Claus. Claus. Tim that. Allen, <laughs> filmed in filmed in my hometown. Mm, Where's that? Where are you guys Pole? from? Actually, where you guys live? I am from Oakville, Ontario, and Oakville's claim to fame is is that uh, Santa Claus and New York Minute with Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen was. Filmed oh man, there. I gotta take a drive around Oakville. Yeah, see the sights. <laughs> are all, are you guys from Canada? Yes, yep. we are. Yeah. I lived in Canada for like seven months when I was a kid. Okay. Oh yeah, in Toronto. Yeah, right on uh, Jane and now, Finch. Yeah. Okay, oh, I lived at Jane and Finch for four years. Yeah, that's a tough area. It's and kind of fun though. My dad would go to Blur Street and like get like all the pig snout and all the crazy stuff of those like Chinese butchers that they had over there and just eat all kinds of crazy food. <laughs> yeah, I, I've yet to eat any pig snouts, but um, maybe once things open back up, I will. <laughs> Now's the time to be adventurous. Yeah, that's true. Now that we're getting uh, vaccinated and stuff, you know, get out there, eat something cool. So was the improv portion of your show the uh, denouement? <laughs> I I liked it because it was definitely the inside scoop into how Danielle Steele writes her novels. Yeah, <laughs> I don't Is, know if she was from Brit, you know England or anything, but uh, I feel like all the from? the female characters that we had were were British. <laughs> she was very Sunset Boulevardy. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> She uh she had that tonality. I, I I don't know why. I guess I always revert back to that to uh, some you know, uh, you know old female novelist. <laughs> I I think everything that was in that uh, improv is now canon for Danielle Steele. Yeah. That is just yeah, yeah. how it is. That's I hope Wikipedia Danielle thing. hears it and and is inspired. I'm yep. updating the Wikipedia right now. <laughs> Danielle Steele. And but, uh, for Yeti. Danielle, Danielle Steele was in Geronimo as well. <laughs> yeah, there you go. yeah, yeah, that makes sense. It all comes full circle. And she tried to date several guys at once via telegram. If it's really weird though, if you ever look at Daniel Steele's uh, husbands, ex-husbands, they all have beards. So that's, that's yeah. strange. Oh, there you go. Well, she does have one, two, three, four, five ex-husbands. So are you serious? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I, I am serious. You oh almost did it like the count. <laughs> that's one ex-husband. <laughs> ah, ah, ah. <laughs> Oh, she's only got one ex-husband. No, there's five. Oh, oh my God, that's for real. Oh, yeah, wow. that's real. That is real. What, what's wrong with Danielle Steele? <laughs> uh, I have no idea. I think you had a, a very intuitive mind there. Like you uh, actually just had all of her details. Ready <laughs> Maybe she go. looks at her her husband's as like her books. You know, she's like, well, that chapter's done. Let's just go on another one. <laughs> it could be. Yeah, that's true. Like once yeah. you finish with the husband, close it up, put it on the shelf, get a fresh Honey. one off the internet, you're good to go. Honey, D is for divorce. <laughs> yeah, I is for infidelity. <laughs> but on that note, let's do a round of plugs. Michael, where can everyone follow you? Everybody can find me at my podcast, which is longshotleaders.com. That's the website for the podcast. Uh, if you have a long shot story, if we uh, show stories that uh, people that have overcome large obstacles to find success, 
So uh, we've ranged from anything from a Holocaust survivor to Academy Award winners to you name it, uh, people wow. who have all walks of life. So uh, just go to longshotleaders.com. You can find all my socials and all everything I'm connected to right there. Amazing. And uh, Joel, where can they follow you? Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Joel Baby and uh, at uh, at Twitter Joel Edmison, and also check out my podcast that I co-host with Cody, um, called Merge Boot, a Survivor podcast. We're about to record right after this. But do you do you watch Survivor, Michael? I don't. But the, the show, the, your podcast is about the show Survivor. It is. Yep. Wow. Yeah. I know a lot of people to- like the show. I just you know just started getting into television. Been more of a film guy, but. That that show is pretty cool because you learn how to survive out in the out in the wilderness in the woods. Mm-hmm. Exactly, um, and also you can check out my movie on YouTube, Elfing Around. Amazing. We'll be uh, tweeting out all of that at, at Spook Podcast, as well as go to thesonarnetwork.com. You'll be able to see a full profile on Michael with direct links to his social media. Spook, spook, spook. Thank you, guys. Spook. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network.